Hey everybody, and welcome back to Friends in Real Life, and welcome to September. Can you believe that summer is over? I mean, not technically over, because September 21st is the first day of fall, but really, who are we getting here? I mean, it's September, and pumpkin spice is out, and um, it is getting darker earlier, and the crisp autumn air is headed in. Anyways, we are joined this week by Anna Pulley, who is an advice columnist, an author, um, uh, just an accomplished writer. And so about 13 years ago, I wound up following her just randomly as an author. I sent her a random friend request. She kindly accepted it. And uh, I pulled out the big guns and asked her to join our podcast. And she did. She has a wonderful new book out called Pivot. Uh, and it is free on Amazon right now. It actually is in the top 100 free books on Amazon right now. And it just came out Tuesday. Can you believe that? So we had such a good time, Katie and I, uh, interviewing Anna. And um, be sure to follow her links below this episode um, if you're on social media listening to this. Uh, so you can check out all sorts of Anna Pulley-related items. And uh, definitely sit back. Um, and this is not for all audiences. This is for the first time, I can say, for mature audiences. And uh, thank you, Anna, for that. So um, sit back, relax, and enjoy the pleasant sounds of Anna Pulley. So I am a hybrid publisher. I have been traditionally published and the last couple of books have been self-published. So I just, you know, I, I worked with Flatiron, which is a, an imprint of Macmillan for the lesbian sex haiku book. And it was wonderful. I had such a wonderful process and time with them. And then, you know, when it came to trying to get a different kind of genre off the ground, I was finding the wait times for traditional publishing to be so, so, so long. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, querying agents, once you find an agent that might take six months to a year, if not longer, then they have to pitch it to the publishers that might take six months to a year. The actual book writing is two years. And I was like, right. I got all these ideas and I have yeah, to gotta get them out. So I just started doing it myself and it has been a real fascinating uh, endeavor. It's been, you know, it's, it hasn't been easy. It's hard to do everything yourself and, you know, finding yes. editors <laughs> to work with, finding artists, finding you have to be your own marketer. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, there was a huge learning curve and I'm still, honestly, I'm learning so much. And so I recommend it for that reason too. I also work on- I mean, so do, yeah. Oh, okay. So you work in publishing. Yeah, I'm an editor at Callisto Media. Okay. So you kind of know the drill. I mean, you know how <laughs> how difficult it is. Yeah, I absolutely do. Even though Callisto is a very non-traditional publisher, we don't okay. go the same route as other as other places. But yes, it's definitely 
you know, I know how publishing works. I've been, I've been familiar with it for many, many years. And yeah, I think, I think for a lot of people, it's really beneficial, but I also don't discourage people from trying other avenues, even though it might feel, you know, like, I don't want to use the word delegitimate, but you know, it's just yeah. usually when people, when people are starting out, they want that like validation, like, yeah, someone else wants to publish this. And right. since I already got that with my first book, I felt like I had a little more free reign to just kind of go at myself and see what happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so due, awesome. due to a small technical glitch, we started recording a little late. So I just want to summarize a 60 second summary for all of you that have tuned in. This is recording and then you'll hear it tomorrow. So it's not live, but let me do a, a quick 60 second uh, summary. About 10 years ago or 13 years ago, I um, uh, had this wonderful article that landed in my social media from Anna. And I was so inspired by it, so inspired that I forgot the title of it. And um, uh, then I friended Anna and I've been following her for many years. Uh, she's an advice columnist, she's an author, she's an editor, and she has a new book out called Pivot, a novel, which she refers to as a queer rom-com. And I did want, I, you missed one, we had a huge celebration for those of you that just chimed in <laughs> about her being congratulated on being in the top, yeah. top 100 free books on Amazon. If you think about it, it was just launched and they already pivoted it at the top 100. And then, um, You've written three, uh, four books, really. The Lesbian Sex Haiku Book with Cats, Love Where You Work, which was recently chosen National Indie Excellent Award finalist. And then a, a what are they, not a pen name or what do they call pseudo name? Um, the pseudonym is Anastasia Floor. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Actually, um, so Anastasia is obviously similar to my own name. Um, but Flora, my, my mother's side of the family, their name is Flores. And so I wanted oh. to kind of stay on that. But then I also, because I'm very white passing, I didn't want to have a, like a Latina name. So I chose Flora as a way to honor, but also not tread upon anyone. Yeah. So that was that story. So let me ask you a question. Going way back, you know, we're going to your origin story. Now. Um, <laughs> how did, did you always know you wanted to get into writing? I did. I did. That's really the only thing that I have been sure about <laughs> in my life. Uh, nothing else has been so crystal clear. So ever since I was a kid, I would write little stories, actually many apocalyptic stories. And then in second grade, my local librarian was so sweet. And she was like, I want to publish this little cowboy story I had written and illustrated. And she found it and put it up in the library. And that really ignited this long lasting fire to just keep going and keep doing what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. great. And, and so I've read, I've read obviously over the years, a lot of your writing and, you know, we, we click like or love or whatever like that on Facebook, but like some are actually quite honestly, a lot of your writing is very personable and very yeah. per like, you know, with the, with the unfortunate loss of your father, you know, I, I really like you, you, you put it out there, you know what I mean? And I know that like, you know, anybody that's that's experienced grief could feel it through your words. And like, does that does that help you as a person? Is it cathartic also to put it out there? I think absolutely, yes. Um, grief is such a beast. There's really no way out of it. And you have all these feelings and you don't know what to do with them. And for me, writing was so beneficial for that. Not even just making sense of the feelings, but, you know, being able to put something into words that's just so visceral and so heartbreaking. Um, it was really, 
it was so instrumental to me dealing with that grief. So I have to assume that people reached out to you to thank you for also like putting into words what maybe because not everybody is good, you know, at writing or or with words or can't express what they're trying to say. Did people reach out to you during that time? Yeah, yeah, so many people, I mean, have lost loved ones, have lost parents, yeah. have lost children. I mean, I actually connected with a great number of people over our mutual loss, which was really a beautiful way to yeah. take that situation and make it a little bit more bearable. Sure. Right, right. Um, on the other side of things, you, you write about things that many people in a lifetime don't experience. And I'm, t I'm talking specifically about... Uh, I guess I'll just jump in the erotic experiences. I think one of them was a, a part, I, I, I'm sure there were more. I'm not like judging or anything I'm saying, but I remember one specifically about a party you attended. Um, was it girl where, pile? What's that? Girl pile, the Bay Area. Uh, I, yes, 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 I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I, I, you know, so like you talked about your experience and like, um, I don't even know how to say, I guess, dipping your toe in, if not other things. And like, um, so like, my Little point job. is, is like, my, so my point is, is like, you know, are you, are you just comfortable? Like, you're just like, oh yeah, like, I'm going to talk about this. And, and, you know, it's a, it's you know, a page turner. It was a huge leap for me. And I think, I think the only way I was able to write about those experiences was because I had the distance of, you know, I was just like a cowardly introvert on my computer when I was writing about it. Um, right. And I also, I mean, I got into writing about sex parties because my partner at the time was an illustrator, like at that orgy, which is another weird and wonderful thing. They give you cookies. There's an illustrator who will draw you. <laughs> cookies at an orgy? Orgy cookies. What kind yes. of? Cookies I gotta ask what kind of cookies we're having here. It's amazing. Stella so dirt. that's one of the ways that Girl Pile includes people who are a little shy and a little nervous. So they're like, let's make cookies together. We'll break the ice and then we'll hand them out to people who are doing whatever they, oh <laughs> they want. Okay. Um, but no, I think I, I, I wrote an essay about this called I'm Always the Wallflower at the Orgy because yes. I, don't get, I don't get laid at sex parties. I am terrible. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know how to talk. I suddenly just start rambling. It's this whole thing. So yeah, I was really glad to be able to write about that because I feel like a lot of people have those experiences, but the things you read are like, oh, and then it was perfect. And I had sex with a hundred people and everyone came and it was great. And yeah, you don't get to hear the stories of like, no, wow. I was talking to the cat because the cat was yeah. judging me. Uh yeah, I would, I would, I would more relate probably with that type of story. Like that I was in the corner in the fetal position. I will send eating the cookies. Yeah. Not that I'd be invited, but I would be eating the cookies. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so wait, I'm I'm intrigued by one part of this. I mean, I've um, one. You're intrigued by one part of this. I mean, wait, no, I'm intrigued by all of it, but I'm I'm intrigued by one part. There, there, somebody Anna, is drawing that with all all <laughs> respect and and adoration. Wait, I just, but Anna. Anna, somebody's drawing like in a courtroom type of thing, like you know, <laughs> because you can't take pictures. So somebody's yeah. drawing, like almost like, yeah. Yes, absolutely. So figure drawing, Kelsey Byer is their name. Everyone should look them up. They're amazing. They illustrated the Lesbian Sex Haiku book as well. Yeah, I recognize the name. Yep. Yeah. 
So they're wonderful. And yeah, they do really fast kind of speed figure drawing at these events. So kind of- I would imagine you have to act quickly. Yeah, you have to be fast. You have to be fast. Um, they're really great and they're on um, they're on Kelsey's website. So if anyone wants to see what they look like, Kelsey Beyer, B-E-Y-E-R.com. So do they, I, I'm actually being serious. Like, you know, if you go down a, um, a plunge ride at a amusement park, you can buy the picture after. Um, can you do the same at the party? Can you buy the pictures of the party? No. Yeah, I think. Can you buy this? Can you buy the sketch that's done of you at I'm the like, party? Oh, that's me. I'll take number four. Oh yeah, I think you can. <laughs> I think you can. Yeah, if you oh. can figure out who you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's the shot of your arms in the air. But but sort of. Um, so. Um, I have so many questions and I'm, I, um, so, so you went, you went to this, you put it out there on social media. Um, did, I'm sure people read it. I, of course people read it. I read it and stuff like that it stands out. But what stands out to me, I remember are some of the comments of people saying, I too had wanted to try it. And by you trying it, it actually inspired me to maybe go ahead and, and attempt it. I love that. I love that. I get a lot of requests because girl pile is not, um, like open to everyone, you you have to know someone. So I get a lot of requests ah. from strangers who are like, I want to go to Girl File and right. have to say no to a lot of them. But some people I say yes to just because it's like, okay, we'll be friends and we can get to know each other and blah, blah, blah. Right. But but not just not just the specific um, um, example, mm -hmm. but a lot of your um, writing, I have to assume that it draws people out of like, you know, I guess I should, I would, but, and it kind of like gives them the courage to do it is that make sense yeah i i that's definitely a goal and one of the big things with everything i write is just to i don't know to make people believe that they're the heroes of their own story if that makes sense yeah. like you don't have to be a it certain does. kind of person to go to a sex party you don't have to be um a certain kind of person to be a writer like you don't need permission you can do it but i love to be the person who also encourages people and gives them any permission but, that they need you know what's interesting what, what's interesting is like you know I, i'll put it out there you know like i'm all of us you know have anxiety of some sort one of my things is you know sometimes i suffer from anxiety and it wasn't until social media came around that i was like oh i'm not the only one that goes through this this and this when i go to an event or something like that and so it kind of like brings people out of like Katie, like the corner, right? Mm -hmm. To kind of try things they might not because there's somebody trying it or sharing their experience. Absolutely, yeah, I think that's true. So let me ask you a question. How I know you you're in editing also, um, but how did you? How do you decide? So like you've been a columnist. I know you write for the Chicago Tribune. Um, and, and other, and I, I've seen just so many various places you write. How do you decide to then say, you know what, I'm actually going to take the time to write a book? Like, what inspires yeah. you? Yeah, that was probably pandemic related. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the latest two, for sure. So much was pandemic related. <laughs> so many of these stories. <laughs> um, but it's so funny. I got into being a, an advice columnist in a very unusual way. I was actually, my first gig as a writer, I did not get paid money for this. I got paid in sex toys. Um, I was a sex toy reviewer for this really great store in Chicago called Early to Bed. 
And mm -hmm. I was so thrilled because this was a hard job to get. It was like everyone wanted to write about sex toys and I had to, to do all these essays and like prove that I was worth my medal on butt plugs. And so oh, I was bragging. I was bragging about this. I was 23 also. So I was bragging okay. about this. And the person that I was bragging to was like the friend of an editor at a local paper and she was like we really want we really need an advice columnist and we think you would be good for this because i wrote about sex tours for free oh <laughs> my gosh yeah let's do it um and so it kind of spiraled from there but also i mean gosh i've been doing this for i've been writing advice columns for a really long time now and i don't want to say it gets boring because it doesn't people are fascinating and you know there's always something new to be learned about the human experience especially when it comes to sex but I was also like, man, I got to do something else. Like I was writing all of this stuff on the internet and still nobody knew who I was because I was writing for all these other places. I was writing yeah. for the place. I was writing for the Tribune. I was writing for BuzzFeed. Right, right. No one even reads the bylines on those sites. So right. Right. I felt that I was writing just, you know, so, so much content. And still I was like not really making a name for myself. So um, I got the idea to do a novel kind of on a lark. Um, it started off as a short story that I wrote for my girlfriend. It was a birthday president. Present was a birthday president. <laughs> There's those two. There's those two. <laughs> that the president would have loved. Yeah. Um, and and we just really expanded it from there and it became this whole story. And eventually I just wanted to know what would happen. So And that, uh, that was the haiku book? Was that the haiku book? No, the haiku book came about also weirdly. I'm such a like bad person to give advice about publishing because um, this did not happen traditionally at all. What happened was I wrote um, 10 lesbian sex haikus for The Toast, which is now defunct, but it was this really great little weird website. And someone saw that who was, I think he was the publisher at Flatiron. Um, he saw that and he was like, do you have um, a proposal? And I was like, no, but I went and quickly wrote one, you know, yeah. over the course of a month. Um, and then I got back to him and I showed him the proposal and he was like, this is great. Do you have an agent? And I did not have one. So I had to borrow a friend's agent, which was super weird. Um, so she was technically my agent. Uh, and yeah, that's how that book deal started. It was just so random. And of course I wanted it to be a book. I had always wanted to write a book. And this was super, super exciting. But yeah, it wasn't at all the kind of process that they tell you. Yeah. Um, when books get made. So yeah. That's right. so cool. Was it was it hard to find a publisher? Um, I mean, not in that case, no, because the publisher literally tweeted at me. <laughs> That's so cool. What an awesome experience though. And how validating as somebody who um as has been a writer all your life right and so to get that tweet or to get that message and to get that opportunity that oh had God. to feel so i mean validating is is it was really so to say right yeah yeah it was it was such a high point of my life yeah and i mean i gotta say it's hard it's hard to be a self-published author too like it's just you don't i don't know you feel like you have to work a little bit harder i think to believe you and to believe in you so, and with the lesbian sex psycho book, it was like, no, people believe in me. And I did a whole book tour and, you know, it was cool to see the books in libraries and at the Barnes and Noble, we did like little launch parties. I think we did like a six city tour, um, which That's was awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so with this, with this new book, um, what inspired you to write this particular story? And can you tell us like a synopsis of it? Yes, so many things. I'll give you a short synopsis. It is nerdy, it's super nerdy. The main character is a cosplayer. Um, she loves to dress up, she loves Star Trek. She There's like a little cameo by Sir Patrick Stewart, not to run <laughs> anything, no spoilers, but um, obviously he's a real person and this is a fictionalized version of it. But um, yeah, so Paula is the main character. She's super nerdy, she's super unsure of herself and she also is hard of hearing and she wears hearing aids uh, like I do. So I really, really wanted to see more characters who reflected my kind of struggles and realities. Mm -hmm. And I almost never see that anywhere. Um, there's, there's getting to be um, more and better books about hearing loss, which is amazing. Um, Sarah Novick's latest book, which is called, I have it. Where is it? True biz, true biz, um, amazing, really great. And, but I just, yeah, I was having, I was having a really hard time finding other books that were, you know, reflective of the kind of experiences that I had. And so I wanted to create yeah. a book. Like that. And I also, as I mentioned earlier, um, I'm mixed race. I'm part Latina, part uh, Tiwa, Native American. My dad was white. I look super white passing. And so I, really wanted to create a character too, who was, you know, who was mixed race and who didn't really have the same experiences that her, you know, her family did, who are more dark skinned and who, you know, walk through the world in a totally different way. So the protagonist in this book, her name is Nita. She is a white passing mixed race person. So I kind of created this like amalgam of myself and like split it up and, and yeah. turned it into um, a fun love story. So it's very weird. There's drag wrestling. It takes place in the Bay Area. Um, and it's definitely the kind of happily ever after that I would have loved to see growing up as a queer person. So That's great. I mean, representation is really important as we've heard over the last like decade. I mean, it's really started to come up, you know, as, as a subject. And, um, you know, how many times have you heard uh, over the last couple of years, you know, I didn't know that there could be a superhero that was black or i didn't know you know now with the story you know so i think this yeah. is super important and one of the things you've also written about quite a bit or share, just shared with posts not actually i mean you've also written articles about it but like shared as posts also are your challenges you go through sometimes you know really challenging sometimes almost humorous uh with your you know your heart of hearing and um yeah. you know there was one i remember laughing out loud about that like you heard something completely different that was said or something but like the 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 fact is like you know you have to deal with that every day and um i mean even this technology we're using you had mentioned google meet is better because it it gives um um uh, i'm sorry uh, subtitles i guess or or yeah. closed captioning mm -hmm. okay so so you know can you talk to us a little bit about like you know how you kind of I mean, it's inspiring to read that you publicly share what you work with every day. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I try. Actually, th this is another oh, another way that I am trying to cope with my hearing loss. I have been avoiding it forever. I just like I I struggle so much, and I don't like to show that to people. So, yeah, this was you know, pivot writing pivot was kind of a way that it's like stand up for yourself. Like, if you can't do it, how are people do it? You need so that's my big advice to anyone who's struggling anyone who has differences or limitations like don't keep it to yourself um people will help you if you let them 
So, but yeah, it's been, it's been really hard. I also, I mean, I started losing my hearing when I was 20 and like a lot of people, I was in denial about that. And so, you know, I tried to get hearing aids and it didn't work immediately. And so I just, you know, I stopped. I was also, I was getting my pilot's license at the time. And that was when I realized I couldn't be a pilot because I needed to hear the tower and I was not able to do that. So I got I my see. pilot so, and I never flew again. Because oh. so so wait a second so so I guess I I didn't realize that you weren't born with uh, uh, hearing loss. No, I mean I think it, I'm pretty sure it is genetic. I have like an aunt who also has hearing loss. Um, but yeah, it didn't really start until maybe I was a teenager. I, I recognized that I wasn't catching everything when I was a kid, but like it didn't really start to get bad until until a little bit later, and then I finally mm -hmm. couldn't ignore it when I was, yeah, when I was getting my pilot's license. So, um, yeah, I wrote an essay about that as well. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote about everything. Listen, um, a writer is a writer through and through. So that's how you process, right? So. I know, Katie, Katie, I know, I know you are also a writer and, you know, Katie's also a published author. Um, um, different, you guys write about different things. That's well, for sure. Yes, but also, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, not nearly as uh, successfully as you have. So. Well, let me ask you a question. With with as much writing as you've done, Katie, or as much writing as you've done, Anna, um, and I've always struggled with this, you know, because I like to create. I just like to create, whether it's writing, certainly not as good as both of you, or, you know, I'm, I like to paint, you know, so I try to do that. But, like, do you have one repository where you collect all of your uh, writing? I know you have a website, Anna. And, Katie, I know you have a website. But like, is that where you'll pour everything into? So like, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in San Francisco, whether it's on Facebook or whatever, do you have one repository for everything? Oh my gosh, I wish. I think all of my stuff is scattered all over the internet. But now I write in Google Docs, so at least I have that. I do have drafts right. of everything in Google Docs. <laughs> I try to update my website, but I'm bad at it. So. <laughs> right, right. Right. No, it's just, it's just, you know, there's so many avenues of where to put your creations that it's just kind of like, I, I can see why you're saying it's all over the place, you know, because um, it's easy to do. It's easy to uh, drop a, an article somewhere and then it's out there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So. I'm actually, I've started saving everything now because there have been plenty of websites, you know, that just, they don't exist anymore. And so there is right. this really beautiful, like, article that I wrote about Native American disenfranchisement and now it's gone because that website pulled it and I don't have a copy of it. Um, I have one version, right. but it was like an early draft. And so I'm like, man, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be better about that. So, yeah. And I, um, Jeff, yeah, go ahead. To your question, I, yeah, I, I've kind of like shied away from writing in recent years and, and poured my creativity elsewhere, but, um, it's funny. I never thought I would be in that position. Do you ever find yourself or have you at times ever found yourself being like, you know what, I just, I'm all set. I'm not going to write for a while. Or has that never? Absolutely. Ever yes. Happened? Or I'll just write in my journal because I'm like, no one needs to see this. Like, I don't, I don't need this to be mm -hmm. public at all. Um, yeah. yeah. There are definitely, definitely tons of times where you need a break. You need to creatively yeah. disengage sometimes in order right. to come refreshed. Yeah. Uh, and I think too, at least, you know, I wonder if this is your experience somewhat as well as a writer, you know, sometimes it just comes out so naturally that if, if you're not ready to process, 
but it's going to come out. I, it's like the avoidance is better for a while. Not Absolutely. forever, that's not healthy. But I think, you know, I think that's why I had to kind of run for it for a fix. I'm like, I had, whatever's coming out is too much. That is so true. Yes. I had an experience where I was trying to write about hearing loss while processing a breakup that was currently happening. And so oh. it, was, it was so disjointed and it was so like, I needed that distance. I still haven't written about it. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not ready to go back there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely understand that. Yeah. yeah. But how do, how do you, how do you decide to, like, I know you could be inspired almost like a songwriter, right? Like they hear something, they have to write it down. And as a writer, I'm sure it's the same, but what happens if you're under deadline or what happens if like you've taken on a project or what happens if like you're writing a book? but you don't feel like writing it, but you also know you have to. So like, how do you get yourself motivated to like, to break through that? My gosh, yes. Um, I love that question. I don't think anyone's motivated ever. Like, I think you kind of have to force yourself like working yeah. out, like no one wants to work out except for those 2% of people who are like, I live for the gym. Like no one else is like that. We're all like, fine, I guess I'll get up and move around. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's how I started to approach my writing because I was like, I'm never going to want to do this. So I just have yeah. to get started. And I gave myself, it used to be something like really high, like I'll write a thousand words a day, um, which sometimes is too much. I can't write that much a day, but I always try to hit that goal. Um, and again, when I'm promoting a book, like right now, I haven't been writing. I've just been in promotion land. Yeah, so sure. But yeah, I have to approach writing as basically a workout for my fingers because yeah, I will not write otherwise. And I think, well, yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with that. because Yeah, just that's, like, that's an interesting concept. Actually, I like that because sometimes, you know, we talk to our kids about, they're like, well, I don't know what I love and what do I want to do? And I want to love what I do and do what I love. And it's like, yes, that is amazing if you can figure that out. However, sometimes even what you love becomes work and work can also become what you love, but let work be work. Sometimes I think even as creatives, whether it's a writer or a painter or a drummer, Jeff, or any of the things that, you know, creative types like the three of us probably delve into, there has, there is this element of work. And I think that we romanticize our passions and our creativity so much sometimes that the minute it feels like work, we're like, well, it's not meant to be, I'm not doing it. But that's actually <laughs> not the case. Yeah. So in a, in a weird way, I mean, that's not weird way. It's, it's very inspiring to actually have that realization and be like, no, that's okay that it's work. And that sometimes I love it and I'm good at it, but it's, I'm going to let my work be work. Totally. And it is. And it's fun sometimes, but other times it's terrible. Mostly it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's flowing um, great when it's not flowing. Yeah. You're just like, I'm the worst. Everyone yeah. hates it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, I, I just want, I want to go back to the hearing challenge for a moment in the fact that, um, is there something that you want to share that like people can do that aren't hard of hearing that um, can like help with like, here, here's an example that I noticed and Katie kind of brushed on it in the fact that I've, I've been a drummer since I was like nine years old and I do have hearing loss from that. I do have tinnitus from that. Like every, every waking moment I have a little buzz in my ear. Um, even right now, I just choose to like, you know, you kind of like the only way to get rid of it is with white noise or, um, to just not pay attention to it. Right. So that's from like the symbols and all that, you know, so I've done that for years. But what I've noticed is, is that when I'm in crowds now um, and somebody's talking to me, I'm like this. 
And for those of you that are listening, I'm nodding my head. And I have no, I might have just like signed away my firstborn. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm literally watching their face and just being like, this is a yes, this is a no. And I'm like, well, I don't know. And like, it could be a real question. They're like, you don't know what one plus one is? Like, no, I mean, you know, I can't, I literally can't hear them. Sometimes in restaurants too. So I guess what I'm asking is if that's what I'm experiencing, you must experience that all the time, everywhere. What can, what helps? What can we do to help? What can people do to help? Yes. Um, so that is so real. And yes, that happens all the time. And I think it's partly a coping mechanism because it's really exhausting to say yeah. why over and over and over again when you can't hear. Right. So right. totally feel that. I have nodded really in horrible circumstances. Um, I accidentally like agreed to like, let a guy come home with me because I was not. Oh, no. um, and I was so confused when he followed me outside. I was like, what is going on? Um, we yeah. finally figured it out. It was fine. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the wrong time to nod. Um, so my advice <laughs> to people who, um, who want to help is one, make sure you're looking at the person. Um, lip reading is hugely, hugely helpful. So in a way like Zoom has actually been great for my work experience. Yeah everyone's looking right at you you're not in a meeting where someone's turned to the side or something yeah so that's super helpful um if you have access to a clear mask or like you know a mask with a window please wear that um it has not caught on it's been two and a half years in the pandemic it hasn't caught on i'm still hoping um, wait, wait wait can i can i pause you right there wait a second yeah. that's a huge piece of this i didn't even think about that people yes. wearing masks. i mean not only do you have that challenge, but with man, I mean, this must be crazy hard. It's terrible. I basically like my fiance translates everything for me. If we're in the store, yeah. the grocer is trying to talk to me. I'm just like an asshole on accident. I have no idea what he's saying. I'm like, uh huh, yeah. And he's like, how's your day? Like, I find out later. He's like, oh, you were really rude to that person. I was like, oh. but yeah, I can't. Right with the masks oh my gosh it's so, so no hard. no no i mean i mean even even like I, katie i'm sure you too but like when i'm wearing a mask somebody else is wearing a mask and they're talking especially again if they're in a crowd i'm like i have no literally no idea what i just said so you know there's that um but yes. I, I, sorry there was something here for a second but let me jump to a different thing here because you have so many different facets to your very uh interesting life is you're also an advice columnist is that correct yes yes i am an advice columnist so the the most recent one i read by the way i want to thank you because this is the first episode i'll have to put e for explicit so like i'm really i'm really i'm really excited i'm really excited to finally be able to click that button on the distribution link so like you've done it so thank you for that um, <laughs> But the reason why I say the reason why I say that is because the most recent thing I think I've seen you post on Facebook about advice is about somebody that wrote to you about BDSM. Is that correct? Which one? You're gonna you're gonna have to refresh my memory. Yeah. So so talk about yourselves. Um, I can tell Wait, you it, in one second. Okay. Was it the um, the person who was doing like virtual BDSM and they wanted aftercare? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So so do they do they write you or like is it yeah. like a dear anna column type of thing yes i have um an advice column email it is um oh my gosh and now i'm forgetting 
Um, this is an Anna. This red is eye, I think it's redeyedating at gmail.com. So red okay. dating. Yes. Write to me yeah. there if anyone has conundrums or questions. Always anonymous, always empathetic and uh, hopefully fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the the worlds that you're writing about to people aren't worlds I'm necessarily involved in, but they're also they're very well thought out answers, and like they seem to help people, which is wonderful. But like, it's also great that people feel comfortable with a and ha, and are and have a place to go to to write to you. So two things. One is, well, the first thing is, how do you choose who to get back to? Because I assume you get multiple. Um, Questions. I, I'm blanking. Yeah, questions, multiple questions. That's what I meant, multiple questions. Um, yeah, sometimes I try to do themes. Like there was a disability pride month, so I did some disability related yes. questions in July. Um, in yep. June, I try to answer more queer questions because of pride month. Um, but other times it's just like, if it's an interesting question, like one that stumps me, I'm more drawn to that for sure. I get a lot of the yeah. same questions over and over and over again. So I try not to answer, yeah. you know, those the most but common. If you, one, do, uh, my but if you do get a if you do get a question that's over and over and over again, do you kind of like do an amalgamation of all and answer that one subject? Sometimes I'll just like send a link to that column <laughs> to that person. <laughs> yes. like, Already did this. Um, check this out. Um, sometimes right. I'll answer them privately. You know, not every person wants to be a public kind of yeah. affair. So, yeah. But sometimes I just skip it because it's like, ah, uh, I've answered this question so many times. It's not mm -hmm. really interesting to me anymore. So. Right. So, so you can't possibly get back to everybody that writes you. Uh, no. No, but I try to. I try to. Yeah. So. And then, have you ever had somebody write? Like you said, you're drawn to uh, questions that sometimes stump you. What happens if it literally stumps you? I don't know how to answer it, type of thing. I get advice from someone else, <laughs> usually an ah, expert in the field yeah. that that person yeah. is interested in. Yeah, which is really helpful. Um, living in San Francisco, you get access to a lot of. Um, different sexual sexu sexualities, kinks, fetishes, all of that. It's wonderful. I feel like I now have a large body of people to to write to. And if I don't, then yeah, I'll try maybe Twitter or other social media, which is great. It's great that we have this kind of world at our fingertips. Where phone a friend, phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, I th I think you should know. I think this is important for you to know that I lived at 1099 California Street off Van Ness Boulevard in San Francisco uh, and was a busboy at Pier 39 Alcatraz Bar and Grill. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I needed you to know that, but now we'll move on. <laughs> um, so Katie, you know, do you have any questions that you have come up with, I hope? Well, so many questions. Well, I was going to I was going to ask which we've already covered, but I was going to ask if your hearing loss was something you had been living with your whole life or if that was onset later in life. Um, but did you mention a fiance? Um, yes, yes, I am engaged. This is actually it kind of relates to the book. I proposed to her in the book um in an ep like an epilogue epilogue and she was really instrumental in helping me with these characters and with these books. And so I thought it would be fitting for them to help me propose. So um, I included that in the book. So it includes a real life happily ever after too. Oh, that's amazing. So, so when are you getting married? Do you, or is this, is it, is it soon or is it something kind of? 
Yes, and it's going to be next June. So we have a little while. Right. Yeah, in the Bay Area. Woo. Awesome. <laughs> That's wonderful. Awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you. And, and what is what is anagrams? That's is that new? Anagrams is the name of my newsletter because everything has to be a pun or it doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So that's the name of my newsletter. And I know you were trying to get to uh, 3,000 followers. Did you get there? Yes, I did. And then I sent out a newsletter and I lost 40. So, <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> that's the everlasting battle. Um, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep at it. It was so funny. Yeah, I did. I got to 3,000 and then I was like, no. As soon as I was like, my book's out, like everyone left. <laughs> so what, it, what it'll go back up. <laughs> so what is the newsletter? What do you do in the newsletter? Um, I try to do a little bit of everything. It's a little bit, yeah, of a mishmash. So I will do if I'm, you know, any advice columns, I'll like put links to those. Uh, it's only once a month too, so I have kind of three right there. Um, lately, it's all about the book, sort of motivations behind the book, interesting things about it. It's free right now. It's free through Sunday. So get on that. If you have a Kindle or the Kindle app, go to Amazon, get it for free. Um, and I like to include links and videos and podcasts about creativity. So I'm happy to shout you guys out too. Um, any favorites? Oh, that's awesome. Like, me. Thank you. And then I used to include awesome. haikus. But I haven't done that in a minute. Maybe I should get back to it. I don't know. Um, so here, here's a question. Here's a question: Is you just uh, published your fourth book? Do you think mm -hmm. that um, is there a fifth book in your mind? Oh, absolutely! I've already started writing it. Oh wow! You have. It's going to be book number three in the series. It's going to take place on a cruise ship, which I think should be funny. We're going to find out. <laughs> it also has a drummer in it. Funny enough, I used to write for a drum oh. magazine. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, not a drummer. I'm not a drummer, but I used to write for a drum magazine and I used to um, do editing for them. And they named me a drum industry icon, which I thought was hilarious because I don't play. But love them for it. Love drummers. They're amazing. That's awesome. Well, and that's a really good segue. Um, toward the end of all of our interviews, we do, we like to do some questions kind of like inside the actor's studio, if you're familiar with that. Um, but, but one question I'd like to, I'd like to, this is, I don't think we've asked this one yet, Jeff, but, um, along that, in that vein, um, if you weren't a writer in your dream world, like what, what would, what is another career you would have? What would you be if you weren't a writer? What would you do? Oh my gosh, I was just thinking about this. I don't know if you somehow like subconsciously portrayed that question to me. As I was, <laughs> right before, literally right before, That's I was like, yeah. you know, I'm going to be like, I'm screwed. I don't have another vocation. Um, what would I do? I would probably uh, go into nonprofit. I would probably work in like education or, yeah, I would. I would maybe even try to do some kind of hearing loss advocacy. I think that would be a really meaningful way to to enact the kind of change that that I'm hoping writing does for people. So, That's you know, awesome. yeah, I think I would do that. But I really hope the writing do you, works out. Right? I'm not good at it. Do you yeah. do, so far, so I, good. Yeah, I was gonna so. say, I think it is. Um, uh, do you do advocacy now for for uh, hearing loss? Um, 
I do a little bit, but not really. I mean, like I donate to hearing loss organizations. I'm a member of several hard of hearing groups. Before the pandemic, I was going to meetings, which are so funny because they're all like 80, 90 year old, super sweet, but like they can't make the PowerPoint happen. It's just, <laughs> um, so I was like, I don't know that I've really found my people, um, but I would go, you know, just because there would be captioning and I was trying to to accept myself a little bit more. Yeah. Right. Um, they're like, con they're like, contact me at Grammy at AOL.com. Exactly. <laughs> they're like, here's my Yahoo. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right, right. Like Hotmail. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Okay. So switching gears a little bit. Next question. Yes. If you could eat any cuisine, any type of cuisine for the rest of your life, what would it be? Man, I think it's going to have to be Mexican food. My mom's enchiladas yeah. are incredible, and burritos, tacos. You know, yeah, yeah. Anna, this is incredible. <laughs> this is incredible because that's my answer. Yeah, and yeah. for the last, I have to say, for the last like five or six guests, they're like Mediterranean, Mediterranean. And when you said that, I was like, Yo, I, I was like, no, not again, because <laughs> because Mediterranean is the farthest thing that I would choose. Mexican is number one. So thank you. You broke the streak. Well, oh you answered goodness. correctly, apparently. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So next question. Um, who are the three most influential people in your life? Ooh, that's a or really good question. Really good question. Um, so my father, who he passed away in 2019, he was my biggest champion, absolutely. And I now have to carry his championship inside of me as if I, you know, have that will and reserve already. So I think about him all the time, especially when I fail, you know, or when something doesn't go as well as I as I wanted it to. He's the voice in my head who's like, you can do it, keep going, keep going. Um, so him for sure. Um, Vika, my fiance, hugely influential. She has changed my whole life. Um, she has two children. I had never been around kids before. Um, we bought a house together. I like, it's so funny. I started the pandemic as a single person in Oakland. And now I'm like, oh, I'm like a homeowner who's engaged and I have two children and a cat. Uh, um, oh my gosh. Wow. That's huge. Hugely transformative. Yeah. 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 And then the third person, uh probably Cheryl Strayed. She is the most empathetic, most um kind and God, her writing just sears. Like it's it's honesty, it sears you. She's like a heart surgeon for your mind. Um and I've been a huge fan of hers ever since she was, you know, do sugar and beyond. So she's definitely someone that I strive to um to emulate especially when i'm giving advice because right you but you're you're kind of first i don't know if you guys have ever given advice before you probably have um most people have to their friends to whoever but there's this kind of judgy reaction that you first have that you kind of have to quiet if you want to give advice and not like piss off your friend or whoever it is right it's <laughs> um, so true so yeah but the, i've noticed i was like okay this is the first layer of judginess i just have to go a little bit under yet yeah. And that's really Start with, lead with the positive, <laughs> with the advice, Absolutely. With the positive. even if your friend is an idiot and like you know that they're doing the wrong thing, you know, it's right. like interesting. Let's talk about that. And right, like, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are my three. <laughs> um, okay, so Jeff's favorite question 
is next. Thank if you. If you could travel in time, would you go forward or back and why? I would absolutely go forward. I was just thinking about this while watching Bridgerton. I was like, I don't want to live here. Like, it's yeah. terrible. Like, you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't wear pants. Like, someone's right. gonna marry you off to some gross guy. And that's if you're rich. If you're poor, you're not even gonna have it like that good. Right. So I would absolutely go into the future, um, hands down. And hopefully, you know, the world doesn't get so much worse than it is now. Yeah. We've come a long way, but right. Yeah. Hopefully our kids will make it a better place. Yeah. Wait, but yeah, I have a question. I, I got I to gotta know this. If you could travel back in time just to visit for like a day, where would you go? Um, I would probably go to like, oh my gosh, probably like the Wild West, which is terrible. I would die immediately. But I think it would be really wild. I think it would be a really wild thing to experience. And there was like some lawlessness. So I feel like you could get a little, a little bit away with things more. As a woman, maybe I don't know. I guess no, I probably right. got shot immediately, but <laughs> I would like to see the Wild West for sure. <laughs> and finally, um, what would you like to be remembered for? Oh my gosh! Um, it's I, a light I, note. It's a light note. Like, what do you want on your tombstone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pepperoni. Um, <laughs> Man, yeah, okay, I, I wanna be remembered for making people feel listened to and heard and seen. Wow. Yeah, um, I would really like, I would really like people to be seen. And I try to do that with my writing. I try to do that, you know, just as a person out in the world, because a lot of us don't feel visible. We don't feel seen. We don't really know um, what to make of things and how to be a person. And so that's, I would, I would love to be remembered for that, if anything, but it'll probably be like, oh, she was the girl who wrote about the orgy. Right. Right. They're going to have to etch that in. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll take the illustrations. <laughs> yeah. In. So I want to say that like, we can, we continue to up our game as a podcast because of guests like you that agreed to come on. So just thank you for coming on and doing this. And I'm I'm actually gonna like I'm gonna thank you. We're you know I'm definitely gonna read your book um, because I really want to. And um, I know that I haven't told you this, but the audience listening to it will see it. Is that you know please click on the links that Anne is gonna share with me um, to find the book and everything else that's Anna related. And um, just thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. It's been a blast.